When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose shock therapy brought to you by the Say It Again Network. Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers here. We just got done with cuts. 53-man rosters are made. Uh, there might be some slight changes in the next coming days as, as teams are finalizing their rosters and hitting the waiver wire. How do you feel about our 53-man, Zach? Yeah, for I, I think initial reaction, I, I'm really, really excited for this group heading into the regular season. And just to be honest, like this is one of my favorite times of the year. We are now just 11 days away from the start of the NFL football season. And I really feel like in the off season, I lose a little bit of myself when there's no NFL football going on. I I swear it feels like days last about 40 hours long and time just never ends. I, I really woke up with some, I jumped out of bed because I realized this is the last weekend without NFL football for the rest of the calendar year. I am so stoked. We've been talking about it all summer long. And we're here. We got our first look at the 53, and I, I couldn't be more excited. There's some uh, ch- strange things happening. Strange. Uh, first of all, let's just get into the, the big headline. Uh, the Chargers did not bring back Tyrone Johnson. Is this a, yeah. a mistake by the coaching staff, or are you 100% behind them? So, uh, to be honest, this one really caught me off guard. Um, I, I, I know there were... Some it, we were talking possibly some issues about the the joint practices, but in my opinion, he was just Tyron Johnson is way too talented. I thought to be left off of this roster. In my opinion, his speed is just way more than Mike Williams, Josh Palmer, or even Keenan Allen can really provide. He's way more consistent in in terms of drops over Jalen Guy. And in my opinion, I think he's a better overall receiver than KJ Hill. Now, so why then? Why let's just talk about Jalen Guyton, Tyrone Johnson. They're the same player. Mm. They're the same player for the most part. Why was Johnson worth more than Tyrone Johnson? So in the coaching eyes, let's just let's just play where Brandon Staley. I'm Brandon Staley, and you're Tom Telesco. Yeah, and we're having this conversation of our 53 man roster. Why would you say Tyrone Johnson if you're one of those two guys? To me, I think it's really a lot simpler than people want to make it out to be. And to me, Jalen Guyton at this point just has a better grasp of the offense. We we saw it. T. Billy was lining up wrong the last couple of games of preseason. And this is just way too far into the process to be making mental mistakes like that. It and, is. This is we've already gotten through minicamp, right? Like you learn the offense in minicamp. It's just, from a, it's weird, man. It is weird, but and here's here's what I kind of think where he went wrong. Regardless of getting in that fight at the joint practice hurt his chances of making this roster. One, it wasn't 100%. even a fight; it was just bickering. It was a verbal just talking a little too much. Yeah. And so, and I'm not saying that that's the one main reason, and I'm not even saying that it had anything to do with character issues. What I am saying is, it, this is fact, not speculation. After Correct. that point, he lost valuable, valuable reps in practice and in training camp or and in the last preseason games. And in my opinion, he wasn't taking the mental reps or studying the playbook to compensate those lack of physical reps. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been lining up wrong. So to me, it's hard enough to make an NFL roster. When you're in a training camp battle, trying to make the back end of a roster at a very, very deep position group, I don't think you could afford any red flags. And, and frankly, Johnson just had too, too many. Guyton didn't have any in in the terms of the coaching staff, in the eyes of the coaching staff. And look, I get it, right? Tyron Johnson, he's super athletic, 
super, super athletic. He's super fast. He's got strong hands. He's got all the tools you want physically to be that wide receiver. And he had a real opportunity to be the wide receiver three. We all thought that he was going to be that guy. And it just the last two weeks, he just dropped off. It just fell off a cliff. Like, yeah. You know, and, and I'm not saying character issues was the reason he was dropped. I don't think he has any character issues. I think he just lost composure when it mattered most. Mm. And we have lost games because we've lost composure at the end of games. So maybe it's a mentality issue, right? Uh, you know, lining up wrong, whatever. Players are going to do that. It's a complex playbook. I would expect yeah. to see some of that during the season. But ultimately, he lost his composure at the very end Right. It started in the San Francisco 49er joint practice where and he wasn't doing anything crazy. He's just he made a play and he, he you know, you can't do that, though. Right. That's a penalty. Now, that's yeah. a point of emphasis this season is you can't flex on the guy you just beat, which I hate. I hate that rule. You know, if you like the what was it? The Dolphins running back who ran over like five oh, yeah. different people and carried them and he flexed on them. And to be honest, he, he should deserves get to two do flex. That. He should he deserved like eight or ten flexes. That was yeah, a horrible play. But they made it a point of emphasis. They talked about it in practice, and he did it anyways. And then there was some bickering during the, the final preseason game. And then you noticed it right off the bat. He was right at the bottom of the depth chart, practicing yeah. with the third team group. And he had a chance to to come back from it. Uh, so I think ultimately it comes down to loss of composure. He just lost his composure, and that's what lost us so many games last year, breaking well, down at the end. Yeah. And, and I think it it really comes down to the receiver room out of all the skill positions is just the deepest out of all of them. We, we lack a lot more. They're a lot less solidified than the receiver room as far as depth. I'm talking about we needed to carry three quarterbacks because of COVID protocols. We needed five running backs. We needed four tight ends. So where where are you going to cut that guy? I think they noticed that the strength of this team is going to be a receiver core. They felt like they could do without a guy here or there. So I, I kind of you just look at the rest of the roster. Who else are you going to kind of cut? Right. And then the last thing is he didn't really offer too much special teams ability. I know he was used rarely as a punt returner during training camp, but it was mostly Jalen Guyton, KJ Hill, and Austin Prohl. So he didn't make himself available or the coaching staff just didn't see him him in that type of role. So he really needed to shine as a wide receiver. And he did, but then he lost the composure at the end. So ultimately, I think it's a special teams uh availability that lost him is his role there and you know good on him because he was the first player picked up the Jaguars Trevor Lawrence got himself a hell of a deep threat there and he was the first guy taken they had the first waiver order and he went and you know I'm, I'm looking to see him ball this year that's going to be a tough division there that's oh, yeah. a lot of weird things going on in that division right now <laughs> strange right? it is strange but uh, he's going to get an opportunity to play with a good quarterback for for the next few years if he ends up staying there. So we'll have to watch, monitor that. The only other thing I would look at is the fact that I think we could have gotten at least a late-round draft pick for him and traded him right before that 53. If you know that he's not going to make your 53, you either keep him on the 53 with the ability to trade him. You could have taken a Forrest Merrill spot, right? We ended up cutting him anyways. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where that goes. We'll get into more of a deep dive here in a sec. But I, I do think that was the one mistake was, you know, was he worth something to another team? I think he was. I thought we could have got something. And who knows? Maybe we heard some, we we tabled some offers and nothing like kind of materialized. But yeah, you, you'd hope we at least try to get something for him because I can't imagine he finishes with anything less than 500 yards and about three, four touchdowns. I think that's like about his floor. Yeah, really, that is his floor. And I could see him finishing as the Jaguars' top wide receiver. They have some good oh, receiving players there. but Chenault's I going off, but I, I, I could see he them has that pairing a good pair. Right? Yeah, for he sure. He has that, that opportunity. That Jaguar offense is on the up and up. So I, I can definitely – there's room for some – he could be utilized a lot. There. Yeah. So, and I think it's going to take him a little bit to catch up to speed in that offense. 
Uh, it's just he better be in his playbook and better be lining up in the right spot and not get in in fights. <laughs> Urban Meyer <laughs> likes those guys though, man. I he guess, likes those apparently. guys that are get a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they want to talk. He's he's the, that kind of <laughs> coach. So so let's get into the offense. The Chargers did choose to keep three uh, quarterbacks on offense: Justin Herbert, Chase Daniel. There was really no surprise that they kept three. I didn't want them. I know I left. Easton stick off my initial 53 men roster, but look, Hey, I get it. Chase Daniel. He's the guy that's going to help mentor Justin Herbert. You want that veteran presence. That was the entire reason we brought him in was to be a mentor, not for his arm had nothing to do with his talent. It had everything to do with his brain. And then Easton stick is that developmental quarterback. He showed enough in those preseason games to keep around. And I've been saying it since the beginning, what Easton stick provides to this team is a practice squad player to help mimic Lamar Jackson, to help mimic Patrick Mahomes. There's going to be some scout team reps. Now, granted, I think that they could have left Easton Stick on the practice squad and him not make the 53-man roster, and I don't see too many teams going throwing you know their waiver wire pick at that player, especially when you saw Jake Fromm. <laughs> yeah. That really surprised me, but nobody came and picked him up, so maybe Easton Stick was kind of a miss there. Maybe you could have stashed him on your practice squad, but hey, I get it. How do you feel about Easton Stick making that the 53? To me, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I, I wouldn't personally go with it, but the coaching staff, Tom Telesco, they have their reasons. So as a fan, I'm kind of just have to roll with it. It is what it is. I would have liked to keep another player at another position, but we're, we got three quarterbacks. I, I think they all have something to offer. Um they're all going to play a role, ultimately. Right. Well, and, and I think I, I think that's where I'm okay with him being on the 53-man roster. As long as he has a role, as long as there's a designated role for you, I, I think I'm okay with it. I, I would have liked to keep a sixth receiver or keep, you know, a, a six lineman, D lineman, but I'm I'm okay with it. They have their reasons. I do not even want to go into the COVID protocols i really don't even i don't think it even matters let's be real it, yeah I, i'm it okay with really it matter. i'm okay with it I, I i i thought we saw enough we saw enough flashes through the preseason i, I want to keep them around the chargers decided to keep four running backs i don't think there was any surprise here austin eckler is going to be your every down back justin jackson is going to make this roster i think he's going to get some playing time i think that he's mostly healthy so you should get him into some reps. He's got two weeks to, to get healthy and get ready for that first game. Uh, Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree round out that part of the roster. I think we'll, we'll get into preseason predictions, uh, I guess season predictions, now that we're moving out of preseason. Uh, yeah. But I don't think there was any surprise that Darius Bradwell didn't make the, the 53. He did make the practice squad, which is interesting, uh, but we'll – We'll look more into that in a little bit later. And then the last one being Gabe Neighbors making it as a fullback. I did leave Gabe Neighbors off my 53. I think that his role there with Steven Anderson, uh, I think that they uh, kind of are like the same role, but they're both going to play core four special teams. Yeah. Well, and that's what I note. I, I'm I, I'm all right with it. I, I like it because without Neighbors, there's no true fullback. Steven Anderson is a tight end by nature, by position, by roster enlistment. Like we need another true fullback just in case of emergency. So he's the only other guy on the roster. We he kind of wins by default. And like you said, special teams is key on all of these guys that made back end roster spots. Right. I agree with that. And and even so I still kept Gabe, Gabe neighbors on my personal practice squad. So I was gonna keep him around because I saw a role for him anyways. Well, I didn't realize he played all four. Yeah, all he played all four. But still, even so, I still think Gabe Neighbors is a guy that you could have cut, brought back to your practice squad, and nobody's going to come take him. So, you know, I get it. I get it. For wide receiver, the Chargers are keeping Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Josh Palmer. I think those three were pretty much locked in. And then behind him is going to be Jalen Guyton and K.J. Hill. Uh, K.J. Hill is going to be your punt returner. Right now he's got that spot unlocked. There's nobody that's – there's guys available that we could have taken through waivers, but ultimately the, the team felt comfortable enough with him. He's not going to get any long returns. I just don't think that's his game. I think he's a safe pick. 
I think he's a guy, he may muff a punt one throughout the whole season, but I'm used to seeing four or five a year. So, you know, yeah. you give me one, I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with that. Uh, Desmond Keen was a great returner, mm-hmm. but he put the ball on the ground so he's often. Risky. And so, and I'm with you. Like I much rather take the safe bet when it comes to the returner over the prolific big return guy, because those big return guys, they come with 50-50 like retention rates. As every big play, they're turning the ball over. I'm going to live with the sure 100% he's going to retain the ball. I was saying it last week. KJ Hill, I'm not excited when he's fielding putts, but I'm not worried because I know he's going to get the job done. I agree. And then the Chargers also added uh, Joe Reed and Jason Moore to their practice squad. Uh, I heard that they were looking at bringing Michael Bandy. So there's three wide receivers on your practice squad right now. All of them offer something. So you, you remember, that's a, it's a talented group. That's what made Tyrone Johnson ultimately expendable, mm-hmm. uh, is that they did bring three guys back. And I'm almost 100% positive that had had Tyrone Johnson made it through wa- waivers, he'd be on this practice squad. There's no way you're, you're, you wouldn't have brought him back. I, I just thought, I, I, I really thought if the – if the Jaguars didn't pick him up, the next team was picking him up. Cause I, I really think I, I didn't know. see any way him making it through waivers. He's too talented. He, and he showed talented. too much, too much. Well, and there's tape on the guy. It, yeah. Guys like that uh, with the stats that he put up last year, you, they don't make it through the waiver wire. And they were flash plays. Like they were big plays. He, That's all he does. he's That's awesome he guys. He's getting way deep behind defenders. He didn't have a single drop. There was enough tape there to know that there's no way he's making it through waivers. Yeah. He's the a good one, football player. The one player that did catch me off guard a little bit, Michael Bandy. Michael Bandy was cut initially during the 80 man cut down, but he showed enough in those last two preseason games to bring back. Uh, I saw him personally when I went to training camp, and I liked his route running. Uh, I really did. I think that he's a smooth route runner. Uh, I think he's just a really, really raw developmental piece. There's a lot to develop there, but... Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Uh, there's, it, it's, he's very raw. He just doesn't have any top in any athletic traits. But I feel like he could be kind of that Wes Welker, that smaller guy that can uh, surprise guys underneath. And, and you know, I, we'll see where he ends up lining up. But that's three. They, they need to get him a new jersey number because I just. 36. <laughs> So ugly seeing him lined up out wide with 36. <laughs> I can't think of a single wide receiver who's ever worn that number through college, like through a, anything. Yeah. Ugh. 
Not a great looking number. I used to wear three. Three and six used to be one, two of my favorite numbers growing up. But and together. I was a huge fan of Michael Turner. But thirty six together, no, it's not a good looking number. <laughs> not not for a wide receiver. I can no. get it for maybe a fullback. You know, one of those bigger guys. But even like, like a, corners or safeties or like thirty six. And the numbers you would think, you know, three plus three equals six. Like, you know, those 42 is a nice looking number. You know, you got some of those double There's digits. There's some like symmetry to it. I'm very particular with my jersey numbers. And 36 on my receiver, it does not look right. And, I, and this is a guy on my team. Imagine if he was on the Raiders or something. I would be chewing <laughs> this guy out. But I get it. So the Chargers decided to keep five wide receivers on their 53. And then they're keeping three on their practice squad. Uh, we'll see how that ends up turning out. Uh, the Chargers kept four tight ends on their roster. I don't think that was any surprise. Uh, Jared Cook, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty were basically locked in. Uh, Steven Anderson showed a lot on with his special teams ability, his ability to play fullback. Uh, he's made a couple of nice catches during the, the preseason games. Uh, he's not a flashy player. He's an older player. I think he's like 28 or 29 years old. So he's definitely got that veteran presence to him. Uh, I don't necessarily know what his future looks like on this team, but he's definitely a nice practice squad, uh, not a practice squad, but like a nice special teams type of role player that he's going to show up. He's going to show up, but it's not going to be statistically right. Yeah. With barring any injuries, that's going to be his role for sure. Even with injuries, you get three guys ahead of him on that depth chart. You either want to develop or offers more in the passing game. But that's but that's that's my thing. If either one of those pass catcher goes down, he's instantly the number two ca- pass catcher. And if McKitty goes down, he's instantly the best run blocker. So that to, to me, barring any injury, he's the next guy up. So I think that depth and then also that special team versatility is ultimately what won him that job. Right, and then the Chargers also kept Hunter Campmayer. Uh, I think Justin Herbert might have had somewhat of a say in that, right? <laughs> that's his bud, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's his bud. That's his guy. He, you know, he went to school with him for three years. Uh, I like seeing Hunter Campmayer because one, tight ends are a big special teams position. It just typically is. You want those big guys who can tackle, who can block. Uh, tight ends are kind of an overlooked position when it comes to special teams ability. So I do like that we kept him on the practice squad as well. And then moving on to the offensive line, Rayshon Slater, Matt Feeler, Corey Lindsley, Odeo Bushi, and Brian Bulaga. There was no nothing that made me think that those five guys weren't going to be our starters easily. Uh, Brendan Jaimes had a really, really good camp. So did Scott Quisenberry quietly. Not a lot of people talked about him, but he's definitely always – handled his job like he never he was just a quiet player who I couldn't point out negatively or positively either really uh he is just a body who just got in the way and he did enough to to you know keep his job for sure uh but there's no negatives I can take away from Scott Quisenberry uh I can take a lot of negativity away from Trey Pipkin <laughs> uh Storm Norton should be the swing tackle he should play left or right side of one of those guys go down to injury uh Brandon Staley said it himself. He needs to get better. Yep. <laughs> Trey Pipkins needs to get better, but there is enough tools there to want to develop something there. He's just really, really behind the curve, and it's his third season. Yeah. Super concerned. What really stood out to me, though, what really stood out to me was Staley mentioning we want to get him comfortable somewhere either left or the right side. We just want to get him comfortable somewhere. So, you know, maybe just stick him. I, I, I feel like I he really has like to live on the right side, right? Guard. I like yeah. him as a run blocker. He's I like really him good with in help the run around game. him. Yeah, I, I re- maybe. Yeah, who knows? Staley obviously has a plan. They obviously, like you said, they, they've seen enough to develop. But, um, I haven't seen it. I'm hoping it comes to fruition sooner rather than later because I think we're going to need some help from our, our backup tackles. I see the athletic traits that you want, right? And I yeah. see the fact that you spent a third-round pick on him and you don't want to just walk away from a third round pick even when I think that they probably should right but the concerning thing to me the thing that really bugs me is there was a lot of good offensive tackle talent that went and hit the waiver wires Tyrell Crosby went unclaimed that should have never happened he went unclaimed first secondly 
he's got starting experience. And while he didn't, he struggled. He really did struggle, but there was enough traits there and there's enough experience there. And he would be a hell of an upgrade over Trey Pipkins. I don't get the logic of not taking Tyrell Crosby as a backup offensive tackle. I just don't get it. I, I, we should have done it. We should have done it. Well, and in replacement of Pipkins, he's not even your swing tackle at that point. He's your fourth tackle. So why not? Uh, yeah, that one baffles me. Uh, going over to the defensive line, the Chargers kept Linval Joseph, Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, Christian Covington. I thought that those four guys were definitely locks to make it. Uh, they dropped Braden Fehoko, Cortez Broughton, and they dropped and they kept Forrest Merrill, which was a surprise. Yeah. I I think it's a surprise also that they went after Eric Banks with, on the waiver wire. Uh, he was a defensive tackle for the Rams. He played under Brandon Staley. To be honest, I don't know enough about Eric Banks, but he's left enough of an impression on Brandon Staley, who's familiar with him, for to, to bring back. What do you think yeah. about this? defensive line your five that we have now yeah well the top guys i thought were locks i'm i'm bummed to see cortez and Braden go those i'm a fan through and through and seeing your guys get cut that hurts no matter how you want to look at it those were two guys i was definitely rooting for so to watch them get cut that one did kind of hurt but looking at the rest of the depth I, i like what we have in those top four then you listening to Staley talk about Forrest Merrill yesterday. He was so impressed with Merrill's play and was talking about how he wants to use him as the primary backup for Joseph at nose tackle. So to hear all that and then just less than 24 hours later to see that they dropped him in favor of Eric Banks, that to me I think was even more surprising than what letting Braden and, and Court and Broughton go. Um, I, I guess it just shows you like connections carry so much weight in NFL circles. I'm what I didn't, I can, I couldn't find a whole lot about Eric Banks either, but I guess what I did hear today's press conference, Staley just said Banks is our kind of defensive lineman. So whatever that means, I didn't get any too in depth on what that means, but what he fits the mold of Staley's and the rest of the staff's image for the defensive line here. So what, what, what that is, we're going to have to wait and see because he doesn't have a whole lot of tape. He doesn't have a whole lot of tape, but I think that a primary motivating factor of this is that Forrest Merrill is not a well-known guy. Mm. I feel like if there was a player that you were going to let go and you wanted to stash back on your practice squad, I think that he wants Merrill over Braden Fajoko because he was willing to let Fajoko hit waiver wires. And Fajoko was a well-known person mainly because of hard knocks from last season, right? I posted a... Twitter video earlier today about uh, Forrest Merrill bench pressing 225 pounds 48 times. I don't know if you got a chance to see that, but that was astonishing. Is that the one? And then he goes out and he like goes and pulls a bus? No, he doesn't pull a bus. He's deadlifting a minivan. That's what it is. Yeah. Multiple times. That was crazy I have to seen me that to see video. him just doing that. And that yeah, just really goes to sh- that shows the strength of this man. This is a man's man. No, he's um, like one of those, and he's built like those world strongmen, like the, the, the barrel, comp, like the stone wedge competitions and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's got that. He's that, built like that. Yeah, There's no neck, all trap. <laughs> <laughs> he's a strong dude, man. He's got those short limbs, but he's able to just get so much power Powerful. from underneath him. I think that the goal is is really you want him to hit your your practice squad. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. Maybe Sean McVay is going to look at you. You steal my player. I'm going to steal your player. I don't really know, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm really rooting that he – we're recording this on Wednesday before we know. I'm really hoping that he lands back with us tomorrow. I think there's a high probability if he's making our 53, he's got a spot on our practice squad. And we well, left it open for him. Well, and it, it that the first initial cut shows you how the coaching staff views him, right? It's right. after after Merrill, so – or, yeah, it's Merrill, then Fajoko. So I, and I then think Cortez that, Broughton, I think, signed with the Raiders? Or no, it was Chiefs. the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. It would be they funny another... if he signed with the Raiders. Chiefs, not so funny. 
they get another interior defensive tackle to that. I guess they need line. some more help in the defensive tackle position, but yeah, I don't, I don't see Tez breaking, getting off that practice squad anytime soon. Well, Cortez gets signed to his their fifty three man roster when you're getting signed away. So he's oh, on their it. yeah he's on their fifty three man roster. You can't sign people to your practice squad right now unless they went through this round of cuts. Right, it's not fa- okay. But okay. what they did do is they moved Chris Jones to edge. We had talked about that in a previous podcast with our our uh, Kingdom says guys. Um, they're in they're all in on that move i guess they are so even espn has put them uh put him at edge so it's it's a done deal they're playing edge okay so they they had a spot open up because of that actually and well i don't think that's going to work out for them too well i think he's going to be okay but it's definitely a miss misutilization of that man's skill sets so the chargers decided to keep Four edge rushers, no surprise here, Joey Bosa, Chenin Owosu, Kyler Fackrell, and Chris Rumpf. I think all four players are going to get significant playing time. Oh, yeah. I especially think Chenin Owosu and Kyler Murray are going to split snaps almost 50-50. Uh, I've even been hearing that Kyler Fackrell may be playing more snaps right off the bat. I think he's going to be our starter, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're definitely going to be in and out quite a bit. Plus, Brandon Staley loves to to sub in and out his edge rushers, keep them fresh. You need to keep them fresh. Yeah, I like it. And I think, I honestly think that that'll be the best case scenario for Nwosu. I honestly think he's about one year away from being able to take on full-time starting reps. So I liked him to be able to split those, not have to take on the full brunt of a starting position. So I I, I like that flexibility with Fackrell and Nwosu. And then we did keep Emik Igbule on our practice squad. Um, Jesse Lemoniere was one of the first guys we cut, which was a little interesting because I know you had him on the practice squad. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that we drafted Egbule. I, I don't really know why we kept Egbule because nothing about him really shined. He didn't have any. Um, he didn't have any flashy plays during training camp that I saw. But they see enough there worth developing. Uh, for linebackers, Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, Kaiser White. Those guys were locks. I feel like Nick Neiman was a lock and. Eamon Ogbong-Bamiga showed more than enough to to want to bring him and keep him around. Even with the injury, I think he's going to be good week one, week two, week three. I think he's going to be available. Uh, I love the fact that we brought him in. He was one of my first players I started talking about when we were talking about UDFAs. I called that from the very beginning, and uh, I'm so stoked (laughs) because I really like his skill set. I think he's going to be – a big contributors to our special teams. And I'm okay if he somehow randomly finds his way as a starter. And I, I really think like as position groups go, I think that's going to be our strongest position group from top to bottom. Cause I just think the skill, the drop off of skill is the, the smallest at linebacker position from Kenneth Murray to Alman Omega. I, I wouldn't say that. I still think Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, Kaiser White are in a league of their own. Oh, but what I'm saying is the the, the, gap, the gap is the smallest at, at a, at, you know from the bottom no guy to the there. top guy. There's, There's no, a small hole compared to yeah. you know when you look at Corey Lindsay compared to Trey Pipkins. And then the Chargers did decide to keep ten total defensive backs. I'll go over the corners first. Uh, no surprise for the top three, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., and Chris Harris Jr. Uh, they did keep Tevin Campbell. They initially kept Keeman Hall. And then uh, those are your your corners. They also decided to keep Trey Marshall, and they ended up cutting Brandon Faxon. Uh, I think Brandon Faxon's pretty much a lock to make your your practice squad. I don't see a team really seeing his skill set and, and throwing a waiver wire in there. Uh, Trey Marshall is an interesting one because – one, he's got familiarity with Derwin James from his time at Florida State, and he's got familiarity with Brandon Staley from his time with the Broncos. So there's enough there to leave an impression, a lasting impression that lasted two years uh, <laughs> for them to bring uh, Trey Marshall in. And ultimately, when you look at the Broncos, uh, the Broncos secondary, I mean, we've talked about it time and time again. It is a stacked secondary. Being the odd man out in that group is not a bad thing at all. No. Well, and you said, has something else happened to Keeman Hall? I, I thought. No, you're right. So Keeman Hall is on our 53. Okay. Uh, 
So yeah, Keeman Hall made it over Fex. And so they, they saw enough of Keeman Hall and the slot and playing outside to, to warrant keeping him. Uh, I didn't see Brandon Faxon providing much in terms of special teams ability. Uh, I think he has a little bit ability to play inside and out, but I think Brandon Staley said in his presser, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing, that he didn't offer as much to the special teams mm-hmm. units as Keeman Hall does. So to me, I think what the, especially the face and cut tells me is that this coaching staff is prioritizing what they have seen, the work that they've seen in camp. And they're not going off of old tape, right? Because if they're going off old tape, face and makes this team 100%. Tyron Johnson makes this team 100%. They're going off of what is happening in front of them. And Faison just missed way too much camp. It wasn't his fault, but during that time, Hall and Campbell both shined. And it's an interesting move, but I, I, I like that mindset. What did you do for me today? Right. The other thing I want to talk about to the cornerback group is Ryan Smith is still part of this roster. He is COVID. I think there's a high probability as soon as he makes it through the COVID, uh, he's going to get put on IR. He'll miss the first three weeks of the regular season. And that gives him a decision to make with Trey Hall. And I think that that next one's going to be Keeman Hall, uh, Trey Marshall and Keeman Hall. Uh, one of those guys is going to get cut for Ryan Smith. I just don't see if there was a reason that they didn't want Ryan Smith, they would have uh, cut him with an injury designation and let him yeah. come back to another team somewhere else. So we'll see how that ends up playing out. We will find out in probably five weeks from now where, where that ends up. Uh, and then the last group we're going to talk about is the safeties, Derwin James and Sear Adderley, Adderley, Aloe Gilman and Mark Webb. I think all of those guys were pretty much locks to make the roster. Gilman showed out as a coverage DB and then Mark Webb plays kind of all over the place. He's playing strong safeties, playing free safeties, playing in the slot. And we didn't get to see a whole lot of him in college. I know he missed a lot of time in college, uh, but he's definitely shown out in camp, some minor injuries. We'll see how that ends up playing out. I'm stoked for our safeties. All four of them. I'm with you. They're going to play a lot. And I think, we're going to get some very solid production from our safety group. Uh, One interesting thing that I noticed is we only brought one defensive back to our practice squad, and that was Ben DeLuca, another guy that I called out from the beginning. Uh, DeLuca was kind of everywhere in those those preseason games, right? He was always in and around a tackle. He didn't make any splash plays, but he was always around the ball. And I think that's one of the major defining reasons why we brought him uh, I don't even remember any other safeties that were on our uh, team now that I'm thinking about it. I can't think of it. I can't think of any. But, yeah, back to your point, he, he's close. He wasn't making the splash pays, but he's very close. He's around, so that's good. That That's something to work with and exactly kind of caliber player you're looking for to keep around on your practice squad. And then the last thing I got to talk about, Michael Badgley was cut and let go in favor of Tristan Vizcano. Vizcano. Uh, Ty Long had that locked down at punter. And then Matt Overton taking over. It's a longtime vet. We had an injured long snapper. Uh, and it is what it is. Uh, Overton he's played in the league for like 13 seasons. He's a, a safe, sturdy bet to, to make sure that you don't have any issues with the snap, which is good for a young kicker. So we need it. Yeah, well, and especially following Ty Long's 2020 season, because we were ready to write him off as one of the worst punters in the league. It's turning out, obviously, through this preseason that most of those struggles had nothing to do with Ty Long or his leg. And his leg is huge. It's legit. It's he's got a big leg. You know the other thing I want to talk about, Tristan Viscano. This dude is built. He's a big kicker, man. He's got some guns. Every time I see pictures of him, his arms look look thick. <laughs> and he's a he's a bigger dude than you'd expect. He's definitely bigger than Badgley. And that helps with the, the kicking power. I mean, I think that the defining factor wasn't accuracy. It was the ability to get the ball into the end zone on kickoffs. It was, and we kind of alluded to it. They've been telling us from the beginning, every time that the coaching staff has met with the media, they have told us this kicking battle is going to come down to touchbacks and they wanted touchbacks Viscano wins because he has a stronger leg it, it, they were telling us from the beginning 
All right, so let's move on to some season predictions. I'm going to throw some on you. I didn't even tell you about these beforehand because I want, wanted to put you on the spot. Oh, I right. have them. You did tell me about them. Oh, well, did I? I, guess I? Well, I don't know which ones you're going for, so okay, I have my own so predictions. Let's, let's go. So what is Keenan Allen's stat line going to be? Oh, so I didn't go players. I just went. I have record. Well, you give me your player stat I, lines. I, I know what I told you, and I, I totally wanted to throw this down on, on you. So Keenan Allen, what's his... What's his stat line going to be? Ooh, right on the spot. I'm going with career year for a Keenan. 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. 100 catches? He's got to get over the 100, right? He has to hit 100. How many red zone touchdowns does Donald Parham come down with this year? Donald Parham, red zone touchdowns, I'm going to go with my favorite number four. Four red zone touchdowns. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna finish around seven though, and I think he's gonna have three deep boys and then four just jump balls bossing DBs. All right. How many catches does Austin Eckler get this year? I have that one, and my guess is 110 catches for the Eck. Ooh, he is going to be utilized a lot. I, I have him in my bold prediction. We can get to it, but I have a big year planned for Eckler. Does Rayshon Slater give up a single sack against Chase Young? Ooh, I'm going to go with no, because my record on the season is he gives up less than five. Gives up less than five. Okay, there we go. How many tackles does Kenneth Murray have this year? He's going to improve a little bit on last year, but he's not going to lead the lead or lead the team, but he is going to finish with 110. 110 tackles. How many tackles for loss? Let's go 15 tackles for loss. How many interceptions does Drew Tranquil get? Ooh, the Drew machine. I think he's good for three. I can see him take, picking off three passes. Who finishes with more snap? Uchenna Nwosu or Kyler Fackrell? Fackrell. And I can get to that one in my bold prediction too, but I, I think I think Fackrell has the edge. And it's not a, it's nothing, no knock against Nwosu, but like I mentioned earlier, I, I just think Fackrell has two more years of experience on Nwosu. It's pass rusher is a hard position to get a hold of. I really think he's one year away from being a every down starter in this league. Derwin James, comeback player of the year, yes or no? Yes. I don't even think there's any question about that. He That's is... also my bold prediction, too. So, <laughs> How many I'm... kicks does Vizcano hit percentage-wise? I'm going big, dude. He needs 92% of his kicks through the uprights. I'm not even looking. That's how confident I am in the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch. I don't know if I'm going to watch a single... Charger kick this year. Okay, Joey Bosa, does he lead the league in sacks? Lead the league? I don't think he leads the league, but I am. I do. High or low, 15. That is that is my number. High or low? You got to pick one. High or low? Over or under? We're, then we're going, we're going up. We're going higher um, <laughs> just because that's where I am with this team. Everything... Everything is, is is giving me optimism about this team. So I'm going over. All right. My final one that I got for you. When Justin Herbert wins most valuable <laughs> player this season, what's his stat line going to be that wins him that award? Well, with 17 games, I think he has to throw for 5,000 yards, right? Has to. I think he has to. He's got an to. extra game to do it. Touchdowns? I'm going to go, I, I, I see 5,000 yards, 45 touchdowns, I think it is the minimum to win MVP this year. And then my last thing is, what's his completion rate going to be? Last year was 66%. 66, okay. 74% because <laughs> seven is a good number. Four is my favorite number. Um, that's how we're doing predictions. There's a lot of fours out there. 74% completion percentage. All right, Zach, give me three bold predictions for this season. My bold, okay, first off, this one is directly because I am sick of the hate that you've been spewing on our number one starting running back about how there are easily seven running backs in the league who are better than him. And my, my problem, I don't even have a problem that you think there's seven running backs that are better. 
than him. But every time you put this on Twitter, you say there are easily seven running backs that are better. I don't think it's easy. <laughs> there are seven running backs better. I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people make it out to be. And I really think this is the year. Austin Eckler puts all the haters to bed and he breaks into that top tier of running backs. My first bold prediction, he's been betting on himself, taking himself first overall in his fantasy draft. I love that confidence right there. I'm right there on the hype train because I've took Eckler first round pick in both of the leagues I'm playing in. I did so because my bold prediction is he's going to finish as a top five running back in the league in all purpose yards. I think the mark for that is going to be 1,650 yards. And here's kind of where I got, I came up with that number. In so he's not going to hit 8,000. Is he, is he going to hit 1,000 on either one? Yes. That's my question. Yes. So here, here's kind of where I got 1,650. In 2019, it was his first year as an every down back. He finished with 1,550 yards from scrimmage. That was on 92 catches and 993 yards receiving. He also added 557 yards on 132 carries. That translates to about 97 yards per game. And I really think he's going to hit that number again in 2021. But I think he's going to do it a lot more. He's going to do it differently. And I think this year in this new Lombardi offense, Eckler is going to break that 1,000-yard re- receiving threshold. And my my prediction for him is 110 catches for 1,200 yards. And the reason I think that is, I, I, I like the other backs on the roster. I think Eckler is going to receive. He's not going to get 132 carries this year. He's just not. But I think our run game as a whole, we're going to run a lot less, but we're going to be a lot more efficient than we were in 2019. Pass heavy offense. I've seen 1,200 yards for him in the air. He's going to add another 450 on the ground. 1650, top five in all purpose yards. I'm all aboard the Eckler train this year. So here's the only thing I want to bring up about that. So we play 17 games a season. You don't think he's going to have 160 yards uh, attempts. So he's going to average less than 10 carries a game. I think so. Interesting. I don't think he's going to be. So So here's my thing. I don't think we need to run the football to set up our passing game. I really think our passing game is going to be predicated on those short dump offs to Austin Eckler instead of the typical first down, second down runs that we would get. So I think he's going to get a lot of early touches from just dump offs. That's going to get the offense rolling. Then he's going to get the carries later into the game. When I I really think this team is going to score a lot of points. So I I see us just kind of riding him towards the end of the game, but he's really going to get his first half points with dump offs and, and taking uh, screen passes to the house. That's kind of my role. That's what I envision for Eckler this season in this Lombardi offense. I, I I always thought that Eckler is the best receiving back in the league. I think he's a much better receiver than Kamara, and I think in this offense we're going to be able to see it. All right, give me your second bold prediction. My second bold prediction is the Chargers are going to have two players record double-digit sacks. I, I just, looking at this new Staley-led defense, I think we're just going to create too much pressure and we have too much talent that we don't have. I just think we're too talented to not have two guys that finish with double-digit sacks. My first guy is Joey Bosa, who I don't think we've talked about enough this offseason, which is crazy because I, I think he's one of the best players in the league in the regardless NFL. of position. Without a doubt. So, I, like I said, I'm expecting a career year from him. I think he sets a personal best with 15 sacks. The second charger I see recording double-digit sacks figures is Kyler Fackrell. I think he's put together a great camp and, in my opinion, really claimed that second edge spot. Fackrell had his best season in 2018. Ten and a half sacks. Ten and a half sacks in 16 games, seven starts with the Green Bay Packers. Now he's playing on the opposite side of Joey Bosa, who's just going to be commanding double teams all game long. So I don't see, with all of that, why he can't replicate those same numbers. And I think he even improves on it a bit. I see Fackerel finishing with 11 and a half sacks in 2021. And your third prediction. Third bowl prediction. Derwin James is going to lead this team in tackles with 115 and interceptions with six. He's also going to add four sacks, have 18 pass breakups on his way to the comeback player of the year 
we all know he deserves. Those are uh, those are definitely defensive player of the year stats right there. So, so I and I I want to put him in that category. He's in that too. tier. He's in that he tier. He is, but to me, and and it's nothing against him. It's just the dominance that we are seeing from Aaron Donald is just unprecedented. Nobody nobody com- gets triple teamed and finishes second in the league with sacks. Nobody else can nobody repl- does that. Nobody does that. And I even last year wrote an article arguing why TJ Watt should have won defensive player of the year. And halfway through I convinced myself that uh, <laughs> that was just a bunch of bogus. Just <laughs> So right. n- nothing against Derwin James. I think he's comeback player of the year material just because we got this guy named Aaron Donald just across the street. All right. So let me give you my three bold predictions. The first one I'm going to say is that Josh Palmer finishes second among wide receivers in receptions and yards. I, like it. I think Mike Williams is going to fall third in line. I just don't see how Hit, if this game is going to be predicated on short passing game, mm-hmm. it's not going to be Mike Williams. Mike Williams is going to be your decoy. I also think that's part of the reason why Tyrone Johnson was let go, because you're going to have Jalen Guyton and Mike Williams taking the top off the defense. Now, Mike Williams doesn't have the speed, right? He's your big play threat in terms of just he's going to he's going to outmuscle guys. Outside of some slants and some outs and, you know, in going out deep, he's he's really runs a really basic tree. And when he tries to do anything else, you're throwing interceptions his way. I just don't see the targets going his way. I do see Josh Palmer really taking a leap. I think he's going to have over a thousand yards receiving. I'm going to give him like 60, 65 catches. I really think he is going to develop very, very quickly in this Joe Lombardi scheme. So I think Josh Palmer, he's going to be, he's going to be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in terms of rookies this coming season. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's got the talent for it. He's shown enough of it in the preseason and he's just a likable guy. I like, I like listening to his interviews and everything like that too. I think he's going to take that leap into NFL superstardom in three years easily. Well, in next season, you know, with all of these young quarterbacks and all of this young receiver talent, where do you see Josh Palmer finishing in, you know, offensive rookie of the year rankings? I think he's going to be on the outside looking in because wide receivers, it's really hard. You have to do something special. I mean, Justin, you, you already have four quarterbacks at least right now. You yeah, Justin Jefferson was had the best rookie season of any wide receiver like when you're putting up 1,400 yards and you don't get offensive rookie of the year, it's because Justin Herbert does something amazing. He should have been the rookie of the year. Uh, I If I had to say, he's going to probably finish in that top five, okay. ten role, I would say right around there, five to ten, uh, just because you have so many other great guys. I think Najee Harris is going to be in the running yeah. for it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to get it just because of the hype around him. If he misses half the season – and plays half the season, I still think that the hype is going to be there for him to to win that award. He's going to have so many votes regardless. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but I do see Palmer, he isn't as well-known as everybody else. Uh, he's not a first-round draft pick. He's a third-round draft pick. It's going to be really hard for him to, to get into that tier. Yeah. Well, but I he, think yeah. as far as the season goes, he's definitely going to be – kind of in that Chase Claypool top five to eight range of like, I played really, really well, but you don't know my name as, as widely as other people. Plus he's, I don't know. It, it's let's, let's be real. These end of season rewards awards. It's a celebrity contest. Mm-hmm. It is. It always is. And I just don't see the celebrityness of him coming out to be able to warrant that award. What? And do you see him generating the amount of buzz that Claypool generated? I do. Or like I the LaVisca gonna, Chenaults? Yeah, I think he's going to generate that buzz, and I think he's going to finish as a top five rookie wide receiver without a doubt in my mind. So that's going to be my first. Second, I think Kenneth Murray is going to lead the NFL in tackles, and I know that's a, a crazy stat to go and throw out there, but I look at the scheme in front of him. I mm-hmm. look at the the defensive tackles that are going to be there. You got Justin Jones, you've got Linval Joseph, you got Jerry Tillery, who I'm thinking is going to to progress quite a bit. And then you've got the edge rushers on both sides. 
and you're going to have five defensive linemen out on that field, it's just going to open up running lanes directly into his his lap. He's not going to he's going to be playing a lot closer near the lane of, line of scrimmage. I I really see a big big year for Kenneth Murray. I've been talking about it for a little while now. Uh, he's very very similar to a certain 49er uh, that retired after nine seasons. Not Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis. Yeah. And I know you look at Patrick Willis and you're like, wow, it's totally different player. It's not. If you look at their athletic profile, it's very, very similar. Hmm. Both players are Kenneth Murray, six, two Patrick Willis is six, one. They both came out of the combine at 235 pounds, uh, 240 pounds. They're off by one pound. Uh, Murray came out as 241. Willis came out as 240. Uh, I think that their 40 yard time was almost exact uh, bench press reps, almost exact athletically how they're built as a player is exactly the same. They play the same position. Now, Patrick Willis is a much better coverage defender than, than Kenneth Murray is, but their ability to play the run is going to be very, very similar. I think you're going to see him take that next leap and he's going to be that five time all pro player very soon in a scheme that's going to fit his skill set a lot better. Well, yeah, that's an interesting comp. I like it. I, I, I'm i right there with how many tackles do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be like 150. I think it has to be with an extra game. I feel like 150. And I think he's going to have like 18 tackles for loss. Nice. Okay. It's going to be a monster season. Uh, he's going to finish right at the top of the league with Bobby Wagner and, you know, those athletic linebackers who are always around the ball because it's it, it's going to be his play styles, who he's going to play like. Yeah, I like I mean, Bobby Wagner, dude, that guy, when is that guy going to take a regression in his talent? That guy has been Super Bowl caliber player since he won the Super Bowl. He How is, old man. is he? He's getting up there. I He's like 32. I would say, I think he's like 32 years old. It's pretty crazy to be that productive at 32 at middle linebacker. My next prediction, I think Larry Roundtree is going to finish second in carries behind Austin Eckler. I look at Justin Jackson and his injury history. Uh, It's preseason. The guy's got some injuries his way. And while I think Justin Jackson might be overall the better player, I don't think he's going to play the snaps. And I see Larry Roundtree finishing with those snaps. Uh, I'm going to say he's going to have like, he's going to average 4.4 yards a carry and he's going to have a hundred or so uh, uh, attempts. It's going to put him around that 440 yard range. And I think he's going to be your goal line back. Yeah, and I, I see him finishing with like six to eight touchdowns. Uh, I think he's going to be a chain mover. They're going to put him in in those, you know, third and short, second and short situations where you just need to move the chains. He's not going to break any long runs. I think that's going to really limit him. So, but his yards after contact is going to be high. I think he's going to bounce off tackles and he's going to get forward progress a lot. And he falls forward every time. So key. I, I and I th- that's where that's how he separated himself. He's the heavy duty. He he works through contact the best. He and does. He's going to be the best in the short yarded situations. I, I wanted Kelly to be that guy so bad. He just I don't. Roundtree just has that killer instinct. Like he, he even if the hole there's no hole, he hits. He runs the ball very hard, regardless if there's a hole or not. So I, I like his mentality as a short yardage back. I think he's going to do pretty good for us. All right. Now let's move on to the record. What do the Chargers record, what's it going to look like this year? I have us at 12-5, and five, sneaking into the playoffs as a wild card spot. I think we finish just a game under KC this season. I think we're going to be right around 11 and six. I think that there's going to be some struggles when it comes to offense, because I think that this, uh, this scheme, it's going to be difficult for a lot of these young players in their first year to get down. And yeah. even some of these veterans, I mean, Joey Bosa wasn't at camp until he was required to, to be there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and even guys like the, the veterans like Keenan Allen, I think he's going to struggle some, 
uh, it's going to take some time for us to get that down. I think by midseason, you're going to see the ball rolling really, really well. Uh, but you are seeing some minor mishaps, especially on the defensive side of the ball where guys are missing their assignments. Uh, we saw that a lot during training camp. Uh, we saw that a lot during the preseason games. Um, granted, these are, you know, our second and third string guys, but I just don't see how that doesn't flow to our starters. Um, so I think that's going to be an issue. We're going to struggle a little bit offensively with some of those personnel groupings and getting those out. And I think we're going to struggle a little bit with assignments on the defensive side of the ball. You're going to see some blown coverages. Uh, a guy like Asante Samuel has had some blown coverages in camp already. We've seen it, but his ability to make up for that has also been super nice to see. So I think 11 and six is we're running what two thirds of our games. That's, that's pretty good. So that's my thoughts on our record. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about who from this team makes the pro bowl, how many so, players make the pro bowl and which players is it? Yeah, this one. So, you know, because the pro bowl is a popularity contest and not a talent based award, I had a tough time with this and went back and forth with my selections. But I think just putting my fandom aside, I feel Bosa, Derwin, and Keenan, to me, those are automatic bids, right? They are known enough around the league. And I think it also helps that they are one of the best at their respective positions. So in my opinion, those are all three locks to make the Pro Bowl. After that, I really think Herbert belongs in that discussion because of his talent. I don't know if he's has the popularity across the league of the Mahomes or the Josh Allens. Uh, I think those two make it again. So I, I think for Herbert to go, I think he'd have to be the third quarterback. I do want to say he makes it, but I think it's going to be a tough battle. I know, I know Baker's coming strong. Um, there's a lot of good, young, talented quarterbacks in the AFC. Um, Eckler, I, I think, is easily one of the top three backs in the conference. But I, I think he loses the co- the popularity contest. You know, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, those guys made it all last year and are all you know, superstars. They're all superstars and gearing up for big years. I don't see, and and to me, the Pro Bowl votes, to me, I see, I think they correlate with what you did the prior season more than the current season. So, like, for instance, I really think people casted their 2020 votes for the best player they remember in the 2019 season, not necessarily what was happening in 2020. So that's kind of how I just, I I think Eckler's going to have a a huge year next year, but I think he is going to miss the Pro Bowl. I, 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 I just... I think it's going to take a, a huge year like that for him to get that Pro Bowl recognition. And then when he has that one, the following year, you'll see him make the Pro Bowl. Kenneth Murray, I think, has Pro Bowl talent. But on the Pro Bowl roster, they only carry two inside linebackers. I, I love Murray. I think he's extremely talented. I just don't, in the second season, I don't know that he's quite the household name as Darius Leonard and Tremaine Edmonds, who went last season. So to recap, I got Bosa, Eckler, or Bosa, Derwin, and Keenan are going. I think Herbert squeezes in there. I think Eckler and Murray should go, but I don't think they make the cut. My final charger, though, who I do see earning a Pro Bowl bid is Corey Lindsay. Lindsley. You know, first all-team pro, all-pro selection last season, considered one of the best, if not the best, center in the game, and he has not yet gone to a Pro Bowl. I think that changes in 2021. Marquise Pouncey from the Steelers, he's finally retired. He's gone to the Pro Bowl, it seems like, my entire life. So he's going to have to pass the torch now that he's not playing, and I think Lindsey's going to be that guy to take over. So I'm going to give you the easy ones, right? Joey Bosa, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, those guys are locks. No, nope, uh, yeah, they have to go. They, they, they're locks. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have seven. So the reason I have seven is because every year the best teams – seem to have seven. The Ravens had seven. The Packers had seven last year. I can't remember the third team. Those teams that really go deep, make a deep playoff run, they always seem to have the most players in the Pro Bowl. So Bosa, James, and Allen. Justin Herbert, I think he's going to be in that discussion for sure, especially because you're going to get guys like Aaron Rodgers who aren't going to play in the Pro Bowl, like Tom Brady who aren't going to play in the Pro Bowl. They get voted to it, and then they decide that they don't want to go because – they don't need the hundred thousand dollar paycheck or whatever it pays to right. to, to play go to the- their their fifteenth Pro Bowl. 
Yeah, quarterback seems to be the easiest position to make the Pro Bowl because you have so many guys at the top there who just don't go. I mean, Derek Carr did it, so. Derek Carr made the Pro Bowl. (laughs) Come on, let's be real here. Um, So, Corey Lindsley, Allen, Herbert, James Bosa. I think Kenneth Murray is going to have that year. I'm telling you, he's going to be a household name very soon. So I'm putting Kenneth Murray there, and then I gotta I gotta have my sleeper, my guy that we all love. Rayshon Slater is making a Pro Bowl as a rookie. You think so? I think so. I think he's got the personality. He's very likable, mm-hmm. um, and he's a very very high draft pick. Tristan Worse made it last year, and I'm expecting a very very similar season to Tristan Worse. And he's playing left tackle, not right. He's gonna be under the microscope immediately because he's got a star quarterback right next to him and the Chargers offense is going to be high powered. Rayshon Slater is making a Pro Bowl book that now. I like that. I mean, well, and looking at the rest of the top tackles taken, they're either hurt or in very, very bad situations as uh, you know, as Penny Sewell is not playing well on the right side. Oh, he no, is he's not. That so, is a bummer. I've got seven making it, and I think all of them have superstar talent, which should really tell you a lot about this team. Now, all pro, I think it just goes to Joey Bosa and uh, Derwin James. All pro is really, really hard to make. I know Lindsley made all pro last season. Rodney Hudson's going to be back. Um, I think he's going to be right there in that discussion to make all pro. Maybe he makes a second team all pro. I don't know. But definitely those guys for sure are, are definitely going to make the all-pro team. And I think Murray's going to have an outside look at that as well. I really okay. am high on Kenneth Murray this year, if you haven't noticed. I mean, we need a big year from him. It, yeah, we don't we don't succeed as a team without a big year from Kenneth Murray, so I'm all for it. All right. Got any closing remarks? Um, I, I guess my closing remark is... I really just think we need to get off to a hot start. Just, I, I think consistently as a team, we really don't hit our stride till like week six, five, you know, at the earliest. I'd really like us to kick that trend with Staley, not only because it's super annoying to watch talented teams underperform, but I really think we have to get off to a tough or a hot start because the way this Chargers 2021 schedule is set up, we don't have time to start the season off lackadaisical beginning of our schedule very very hard the second half of our schedule very very easy so in my opinion i think we're going to know if we're heading to the playoffs by week 10 if we are five and five without a doubt if we are five and five or better we're going to the playoffs that 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 is my mark if we are five and five by week 10 it's it's going to be a a fun year and i see us playing meaningful football all the way through january all right well thanks zach uh, thank you guys for listening to Shock Therapy's podcast. Leave us a review. I do read the reviews. Uh, we have five stars. Continue to keep those five stars going. And thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be breaking down the the Washington football team who did not change their name before the start of the season, which kind of surprised me. But, hey, I guess they like being the Washington football team. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.